our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our meditation this morning is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 22. Listen again to a portion of verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham. The sermon begins with something that I have never done before. Today, I'm going to attempt to preach a sermon about temptation without actually using the word temptation. Instead, I want to use the word tested. But first, an explanation. I see all three of our scripture readings today, the Old Testament, the epistle, the gospel reading, they featured or centered upon four English words, tested, trial, test, and temptation. But when you dig into the Greek and Hebrew origins, the foundations of those words, the definitions that float to the top have much more to do with testing than tempting. For example, in our Old Testament lesson, God tested Abraham. You know, in the Hebrew word there is nesay, which literally means test, attempt to learn the true nature of something. And then in both the epistle lesson and the gospel reading, there's another word, this is a Greek word, perasmos, which means literally to test, to learn the nature or character of something through thorough and extensive examination. And then one more word found also uh, in the epistle reading, dokemos, uh, which means pertaining to being genuine on the basis of testing. And so when I looked at the key words, I was getting a steady diet of testing, testing, testing. So I started to wonder about, well, just what is the difference between being tempted and being tested? And there is a difference. I guess when I think of temptation, I usually conjure up, you know, a, a, a cartoon, you know, devil on one shoulder and a cartoon angel, you know, on another shoulder and they're whispering into uh, someone's ear. Or, or sometimes I'll think about a little kid, you know, ogling uh, the, the chocolate chip cookies that mom just put on the counter and said, now don't you eat those cookies until after uh, supper. And, you know, I've always thought of temptation as being allurement and, and seduction and enticement, but, but testing is different. Testing is learning the true nature or genuineness of someone or something. And in other words, testing is a measuring stick. And testing has always been part of your life. From, from the time you screamed your first breath, you have been tested. In school, all of those exams that made you sweat bullets were measuring something, weren't they? Your competency, your mastery of core skills and materials, preparing you to advance to the next grade level. In sports, you know, the weight room, the endless drills, the off-season camps, you know, playing ball in your driveway or rink ratting, you know, the practices, the games, all taking stock and measuring your athletic uh, proficiency, your skill level, or lack thereof. I mean, most jobs will measure your performance through annual or semi-annual reviews. And relationships 
goodness, relationships are almost always in a testing mode. Did you remember your wife's birthday? You were being tested, weren't you? You know, when you ask your kids to load the dishwasher or unload the dishwasher, you know, or, or clean up their rooms, you are testing, what, their loyalty, their love, their obedience. Uh, uh, when you needed to borrow that 20 bucks, you know, from your buddy or, or an air compressor or another canoe uh, paddle for your Boundary Waters trip, you know, was that friend there for you? All relationships come with testing. And your relationship with God, who drew you up on his drawing board and breathed the breath of life into your nostrils, it's no different. I mean, from day one, God has measured your faith by permitting Satan to disrupt your life with, with that nasty serpent's little test. And Satan's agenda, when it comes to testing you, it's as simple as it is deadly, because his tests are designed to entice you to replace loving God with loving yourself. But God has a much higher purpose in mind with those tests. He actually uses Satan's efforts against him as a kind of spiritual bench press for you and, and a way to exercise your faith muscles, giving you a barometer with which you can measure your spiritual progress and then drawing you closer to God all the while. And you know, the Bible is filled with examples of God allowing his people to be tested spiritually, isn't it? I mean, Ape, uh, Adam and Eve, obviously, in the garden. Abraham and Isaac in our text for today. Elijah and his soggy sacrifice on Mount Carmel. You know, Samson and Delilah. You know, David and Bathsheba. Jesus was tested in the wilderness. Peter trying to leave footprints on Galilee's waves. Judas and his money bag. Mary and Martha after Lazarus dies the first time. Spiritual testing, come on, it's one of the Bible's main themes. It's all over the place. And sometimes God's people pass the test, and sometimes their measuring falls short. When God allows testing to come into your life, and he will, think about it as a measuring stick, okay? But there's also something else to this whole thing, and that something is this. Testing hurts, but it hurts so good. When I was in high school, basketball was my thing, and I'll be honest, on my best day, I was an average player, but I loved the game, and my senior year, uh, the basketball team that year, it was supposed to be a, a rebuilding year. You know, our, all of our best players had graduated, and we weren't very tall, and we weren't very skilled, and we weren't very uh, experienced. And after the first day at practice, it was clear what the coach's strategy was going to be. We never touched the basketball. We ran. We ran laps. We ran lines. We ran out in the hallways. We ran out in the outdoor track. You know, two weeks went by. Still never dribbled a basketball, but we ran some more, and we hated it. Guys threw up, guys quit the team, everyone hated the coach until we won our first five games. 
because it turns out that you don't have to be tall or shoot like Michael Jordan when you're running the other team out of the gym and most of our baskets for layups. And even I could make a layup back in the day. You know, what we learned is what our coach had known all along, that yeah, testing hurts, but no pain, no gain. When God allows your relationship with him to be tested, it hurts. You know, but there's purpose behind the testing. No pain, no gain. God is testing you, your love for him, your relationship with him. Or, or you can think about it this way. What God really is doing is testing the genuineness and the purity of your faith. In ancient times, refiners would melt down gold or silver ore in a crucible, uh, later in furnaces. Uh, they could actually reach 1,100 degrees Celsius, and the high heat would cause the impurities or the dross in the ore to either burn away entirely or rise to the top where they were skimmed off. And then, and then the process was repeated, you know, usually seven or eight times until the molten metal became shiny and the refiner could see his own reflection on the surface. Well, God often allows your Christian faith you know, to, uh, to heat up. He'll turn the heat up on you in your life until you can see the refiners, you can see God's reflection once more. And God often does this by threatening or exposing things or persons who just might be competing with him for the number one place in your heart. That's exactly how God heats Abraham up in our text, isn't it? I mean, God knows who Abraham loves, all right? You know, God hits Abraham where he lives. Abraham, it's either me or it's either Isaac. You choose. Old Testament Job saw his family, his livelihood, his enormous bank account because he's like an Old Testament Bill Gates, and then even his health thrown into the smelter. Bathsheba was used to turn the heat up on David, pun intended, and so it goes. Has God been testing you? Has God been turning the heat up on your faith lately so that you and others can see the refiner's reflection in your life? That kind of testing isn't easy. If you're a teenager, it's not easy to say no when the popular kids finally invite you to one of their parties and ask you to drink or smoke or get high or whatever. But when you do say no, not only will your parents be enormously proud of you, but you will also realize that you need God's love much more than you need to be popular. And hey there, husbands and wives, it's not easy being a faithful spouse these days, is it? When a marriage that lasts for 10 years or more is an anomaly, it's an exception uh, rather than the rule. A lot of heat coming from our culture that mocks any promises made before God's altar. God's testing you. And when you give your eyes back to your spouse, 
where those eyes belong, and you realize more than ever how precious that love of your life is, what a marvelous blessing uh, they are from God. You know, that's uh, when you breathe a little prayer of thanksgiving to your God, and you say, God, thank you for that test. No pain, no gain. This week, God will allow your relationship with him to be tested. It's going to happen. It's what God does. But when it does happen, I want you to see it for what it is. See that test for what it is. And I want you to say to yourself, how about that? God loves me so much that he's measuring my faith today. And when the heat gets turned on and you're asked to decide just how pure and just how genuine your faith in God is, again, see that test for what it is, a test. And say to the devil, hey, nice try, Mr. Snake, but I am not going to fail this test. And as you feel your faith and your trust and your confidence in God, you're going to feel that grow uh, all the more. You know what? Give yourself a little pat on the back. Go ahead. The Holy Spirit won't mind at all as you smile and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for testing me this day. No pain, no gain. Amen. And the peace in Christ that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand as we confess our faith. I believe in one God, 